and welcome to Beyond the Capital from Supertech. I'm Hilary, we're back, it's 2023, and this series we're going to be exploring how to deal with adversity. I'm going to be talking to entrepreneurs, business leaders about how they've overcome major challenges. Some of them are financial, personal, sometimes about investment, securing funding, launching during a small thing like a pandemic. I'm going to find out how they made it through the ups, the downs, building thriving businesses ultimately and doing it from the regions because this is beyond the capital. It's a podcast series about the professional services tech scene and building those businesses outside of London. I'm Hilary Smith-Allen. In this episode, I spoke to Matt Adam, CEO and founder of We Are Digital. It's a Coventry-based digital training business with a big social impact focus. So thanks for joining us today at Beyond the Capital. Do you want to start by introducing yourself to a little bit about your business? Sure. Hi, really good to be here. My name is Matthew Adam. I'm the founder and chief executive of We Are Digital. We are a social impact business scale-up based out of Coventry in the West Midlands. And we've been going about 10 years now. And we are a welfare services business, which essentially means we run community programs all across the UK for organisations like housing associations, councils, central government, corporates, running large-scale community projects for um, areas such as digital skills and digital inclusion, financial education and debt advice, employability programs, and basically citizen-type services for people that are in need or excluded. And a social impact business scale-up. Go unpack that for me. What does that even mean? Yeah, it's still, I think, quite an unknown business structure in the UK. So to just go into a bit of detail on that, we are a normal for-profit business. So just like a lot of startups, we're not a not-for-profit, we're not a charity, but we have a few differences that make us a social business. So uh, a few of them include 100% of our revenue has to help people in need of some sort. We have a mission lock in our legal documents, which basically means we're not allowed to work on low-impact projects. And we measure our impact as well in quite a academic, strict, detailed way. So we spend a lot of time and investment on that area. So the way I see it really is we are a modern version of a social enterprise. We've got that mix of profit and purpose. And personally, I think it's perfection and the sort of future of business. There's a lot of talk about this worldwide now. A lot of investors are wanting to invest in ESG and impact-led companies. You've probably seen a lot of the businesses that become B Corps. So, you know, we think we're slightly ahead of our time with this, although we're biased, obviously. And I do think it's kind of where, you know, good business is heading, that that mix of profit and purpose and doing good and doing well. And there's a tech angle within that? Yes, I think we've always struggled by being a little bit non-tech. So we've had a lot of growth, but we haven't had too much tech in the core of the business. But we're couple of weeks away from closing a Series A round, which is going to hopefully be a multi-million pound investment in a new tech platform, which will basically underpin how we run welfare projects across the UK. So we've been very people-focused so far, but the um, the tech is now going to come in, hopefully. So yes, we're going to be a bit of a mix, finally, of um, tech platform and, and people on top. How did you end up doing this then? <laughs> Yeah, good question. Um, So we had our 10th year anniversary for the company, when was it, last summer? So amazingly, a decade has flown past already. Um, So I set the business up in April 2012. It was a classic bedroom startup. I had no idea what to do, but I left a sort of headhunting job in London, had always been obsessed with starting a business. 
Uh, a lot of people ask whether, you know, I was interested in education or training or the services we now provide. And the answer is no. I just wanted to start a business. So I went traveling for a year around South America, had one of the first um, sort of eye touches, if you remember, that was like the, oh, crikey, the precursor yes. to the iPhone. Yeah. <laughs> and it um, came back with over 100 business ideas, very random ones, I think, looking back. But one of them was essentially a, a sort of computer training business idea for silver surfers, as they were called then, which uh, I'm now horrified to say was defined by the media as anyone over the age of 50, which doesn't sound too old to me now. But we basically set out trying to see if we could build a network of trainers in the UK to go into people's homes, so grandparent type um, individuals to help them on the computer. Uh, So that was the uh, initial seed of the idea, basically. And been going 10 years doing quite well by all accounts and what I've read in advance of this. How's that journey been for you? Yeah, it's been, I think, probably as a lot of founders would say, huge excitement, huge stress as well along the way, massive ups and downs. Um, We're in a really good place now. I think, you know, three or four occasions over the years, we've been, like a lot of startups find, uh, running out of money, very close to going under. So it's been super stressful but super exciting is the way I, I kind of explain it. I think um, we're, we're now up to nearly 100 employees. We should do about 10 million of revenue this year. So we've definitely um, scaled a lot in the last few years. We've doubled since last year. And I think we're kind of through the what I saw one founder describe the the 10 million level as uh, the unkillable zone once you get past that. And I think that's quite a good way of putting it. Touch wood, yeah. (laughs) Um, And I think, yeah, you you never quite know when, you know, you've got through that sort of terminal velocity of is it still shaky ground or do you need, you know, more investment? And I think hopefully at the moment we've gone through that period of the hair loss years, as our chairman describes it. And I think now we're into sort of scale up mode. So how was it though in the hair loss years? How does one get through the challenges you touched there on the the financing and that being a really big challenge in that early phase? So perhaps you can unpick that a little bit for me. Yeah, I think, you know, a lot of startup founders will say finances uh, and cash is king, obviously. And one thing I've definitely found through the growth of the company is all the cliches you hear are true. (laughs) I think one of our biggest challenges was always cash and investment. This Series A will probably be our fourth or fifth investment round in the company. And, you know, we did all the classic stages. We had friends and family initially. Then we had angel investors. A small VC fund in the Midlands called Midven came in four or five years ago. And then our current venture capital funds that we have in now, uh, Ascension, Triple Point and SI2, all came in in about 2019. And now we're looking at our Series A, about £5 million, hopefully closing next Friday. So it's been a lot of work. But through all those rounds, I think the the toughest time comes in the early years when looking back, uh, you don't really raise very much money to keep you going. Everything's very lean, very tight. And I'll always remember probably the biggest nervy moment came when we had a piece of software that would auto top up about $50 um, each month. And I was about to pitch a council in London and I got an email from, I think it was my dad actually at the time who was doing our account saying that that piece of software had bounced. And I realised that that meant we were down to basically nothing in the bank account and we'd stretched our overdraft. So it's moments like that when um, it's quite hard to focus on pitching new business to a council. Looking back, it's kind of a miracle, I think, that you get through these things. But we did, and we've been very, very close probably three times to running out of money. But um, we're still here today fighting strong. So 
you you learn creative ways of getting around it. What kept you going? I think I'm quite a tenacious character and there's definitely something in a lot of founders I've met of this sort of never give up attitude. And I've always joked to the staff that the only way, you know, I'm leaving is if I'm sort of dragged out of the building. So this never give up attitude I think you have to have. I'm an enormous optimist. I mean, all the staff call me sunny side Matt because I never think of anything negative. Supreme optimist at all times. And I think if you don't have that, it, it won't work for you as a founder. You have to be optimistic and always find a way. I think I always believed in the business and that we had a big opportunity. So getting through the early years then and the hair loss, as it were, looking like you've got a bit left over. Where did the journey go from there? So we fundraised these sort of smaller rounds, as I mentioned, got us going in those early years, although it was touch and go a a few times. And we then approached sort of 2019, 2020. We were growing in housing associations and councils. So we'd moved away from our Silver Surfer home training and we'd branched out into the community and changed from basically being a B2C business to a B2B company, serving excluded residents in the communities for councils and housing. And we were doing quite well, winning quite a few contracts. But at this point, just to put it in perspective, we were a fully face-to-face company. So fairly non-tech, as I mentioned. We had a network of trainers, 100 trainers around the UK, about 300 different centres, so community organisations that we work with. And we were all about, you know, on the ground, tangible, real people driving around in their cars, helping. Walking the streets. Walking the streets, exactly. Community centres, libraries, post offices. Um, and we did a lot of one-to-one in the home as well, training, as well as group courses. So quite traditional, you could say, in terms of a kind of tech startup. And we found when COVID first hit, and I'll always remember being in the office when Boris Johnson did his nightly news conferences, um, the rules kept changing each day about what was allowed. So initially, 100% of our revenue was all about going into people's homes and the community. That was then um, reduced and all that was allowed was um, you could go into the home, but you had to have a mask on everything else. So we're like, okay, we're going to stop all our group courses. We're just going to deliver in home. And then the next night, all that was allowed in people's homes was boiler engineers and boiler emergencies. All the emergency key worker stuff. Exactly. So we um, we had to stop all that. So overnight, you know, that was another extremely worrying time. We thought we'd have to go to the board and our investors and essentially our business model of how we delivered face-to-face was wiped out. So very, very nervy times. But the team did an amazing job. And what we actually did was flip the entire delivery of the company in about two weeks to be remote. So deliver all these training courses to people via Teams, Zoom, so forth. A lot of people were sceptical because, have to remember, we're helping digitally excluded individuals as one of the streams of the business. And um, a lot of people said, well, if they're not online and they're struggling with digital skills, then how can you do it over the phone or Teams? So big, big problems, but the team did a huge, amazing job on that. And fast forward to today, looking back, we were one of the few companies that we actually found the opposite happened in COVID. And we grew and we won lots of new contracts and it was strangely positive for us. So, you know, very sad time for lots of people and lots of businesses. But fortunately for the company, um, what it actually did was put a huge spotlight on exclusion and people being stuck in their homes. Every single day, we had a big corporate calling us up saying that they were very panicked about, you know, bank branches shutting and so forth. Uh, We won a contract with Lloyds Bank during that time. So, yeah, we actually grew through COVID and did another fundraise, but from a positive point of view rather than running out of cash because we needed to invest more. So, yeah, looking back... Retain some of that. 
innovation and the pivoting today? Yeah. So what's quite strange now is I think I would have never foreseen starting a company that was remote. Um, it was all about in-person activity. In the looking back at the early marketing days, we used to actually, our brand was all about, you know, don't do things um, remotely. Let's have someone come to you. So big change. But yes, uh, to date now, even though things have opened up again, we help a lot of people, probably the majority is still remote, massively helped margin, helped how we delivered things. Um, and the impact as a social impact business as we are is still very strong. So yes, I, I look back and it's one of those moments where again, when you're starting a company in your bedroom, you have no idea these things are going to come up and very fortunate, but we, it was another big challenge that we managed to get through and it's weirdly helped the business now. And the staff satisfaction still there through yes. the change? Yeah, I think, you know, managing people in a fast growth scale up is always tricky. I think, yes, it was very um, hard during COVID. We, we have a call centre. We had to send every single person home, as most people did. But yes, it's now come back. A lot of people in the office again. And we've managed to, you know, keep a lot of the staff and very proud that to this day, we've never had to make even one redundancy through decisions or mistakes of growth. It's always been the other way around that we're always looking to hire. So I think the whole team's done a good job. And hiring in itself alongside growth is uh, bumpy, perhaps. Yes. Yeah. How's that gone and in different skill sets, I suppose, the changing shape of the business that you described there, has it? Um... Well, yeah, gone to plan. Um, I think sometimes it has, sometimes it hasn't. I think looking back again, one of the big learnings for next time for myself, if I start another business is maybe realising it's more about the people than you first think when you're starting out. I think I probably saw it in a very blunt way that you can always recruit someone else if it doesn't work out. But I think now you realise that I saw a definition the other day that uh, the word company, I think, is literally defined as a group of people. And you kind of realise that's all you're doing, whether you've got clever tech or not. You're basically a bunch of people coming to work, talking about things and trying to solve stuff. So if uh, I saw another founder the other day say that you should really see yourself as a recruitment business in whatever you do, and I think that's a good way of putting it, the quality of the people you bring in will always define where you get to. I think, yes, the quality of the founder and the starting team is is important, but actually in the end, it outgrows you. And now we've got nearly 100 people. It's all about the quality of others, not myself. So um, yeah, we've, we've definitely had some challenges along the way. Probably one that I'll always sort of look back with a a bit of a smile now that we've got through it was um, in the very early days, we were probably 10 or 15 people. And we were in a small office in Warwick and we had quite a few contracts around the country with a few housing associations. And it was all very much like couriering equipment into, you know, locations, trainers turning up to certain addresses. And because of lots of things that were going wrong and a lot of stress, um, our entire operations team basically quit on the spot and left and walked out. <laughs> and, um, and I had people wow. calling me saying stuff was turning up wrong, stuff wasn't open. It was kind of all just going to pot, basically. So... I've got a very understanding wife, should we say, and I essentially sort of slept and worked at the office for the whole weekend and just tried to sort of pull it back. And it's moments like that where you kind of think you don't quite know how you get through it, but you have to sort of just Roll dive into up. it yourself and, and go for it. But yeah, we've had lots of people challenges over the years. I think looking at the moment of where we're at, we're in a really good place. We, we just hired a managing director 
um, Jonathan Prue, who great guy, really experienced, and that's been probably the next big change for myself. So I've realised again, speaking to lots of founders, we have lots of founder group therapy sessions, as I call it, where we talk about challenges. And I think what a lot of founders probably don't admit normally is that they're really good at certain things, sales, strategy, brand, but they're normally pretty terrible at people managing and the day-to-day. I don't think most founders often admit that, but I've realised that with myself. And I think for the company to scale and be successful, you need to at some point realise that you're good at certain things and bring in others that are actually experienced, died-in-the-world chief executives who can actually grow the company. And you see this happening a lot with quite well-known startups where I always laugh. I think that, you know, the press release says the founder moves to become sort of chief creative officer, but it's, it's another way of saying that they don't think they can be the chief executive anymore. And we've made that change very recently. So I'm still in the business working every day as the founder, but we've got a really experienced person at the sort of helm of the ship looking at the day to day. And I think the most successful businesses that scale make a decision along those lines. Is it hard to let go? Does yes. it feel like letting go? Yeah, it's, it's still still as of this week. There's there's challenges, and I think it's pretty tricky for me because you want to you know about all the detail because of being in it since the beginning. So yes, you want to dive in, you want to stop yourself from micromanaging, but it's super tough to do that. But I think yeah, I mean I've got a really supportive chair, Ralph Cato, who's helped me a lot over the last few years, and I think you know reading up about it, speaking to other founders, seeing other people go through it, it's very tough. But I think. A lot of businesses, I think I'm sure the statistics show, get to about a million revenue and sort of stall at that point. And very few actually break through that point. And I believe personally, one of the big reasons is that they're not really a company in the sort of traditional sense. They're they're basically a founder business where the founder is working inside their own company. And it's very, very hard to scale that. So I sort of find it challenging, but I realise it's for the greater good of, of scaling the company and, and we'll have more of a shot to do that, I think, if if we make those sorts of decisions and bring those people in. I wish you all the luck. If you have one sentence for 2023 for your company, We Are Digital, what would it be? One sentence, yeah. I'm not good at being concise. I'd say for us, it's scale. So our big challenge now is with our new investors that we should be able to announce in a couple of weeks. We've got a big European impact fund coming in because uh, we're a social impact business and we've got a target to get to 50 million uh, revenue in three years. Uh, we're looking at going international as well and building out a really disruptive tech platform for running welfare services that we think hasn't been done before. So big challenges, but the number one is scale. So we want to scale as quickly as possible over the next three years. All the best. Thank you for joining me today. Thanks very much. That was Matt Adam, CEO and founder of We Are Digital. Thanks for listening. This has been Beyond the Capital from Supertech. I'm Hilary Smith-Allen. Please follow us on Apple, Spotify, whichever is your favourite podcast app. And if you've enjoyed listening, tell your friends and family and give us a rating to help others find the podcast.